I'm continuing this morning on this subject of focus, so would you take your Bibles or your iPad or whatever you have the Scripture on, go to the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel, and as you're doing that today, let me greet our campuses that are joining with us. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I'm thankful for what God is doing across the board in every Love and Truth campus and every Love and Truth church, and I believe that you've already experienced the presence of God today, and now we're going together into the Word of the Lord to see what God has for us. I began last week looking at the life of David and how that we uh, can see from his life that David was a person of focus. In fact, uh, over the next couple of weeks as we kind of move forward in this series, we're going to see that when David lost focus, what happened in his life. But we talked about last week that it was the focus that David had in his life that produced in him the ability to move forward and how that he went from being a shepherd boy to being a king because of the aspect that he was willing to focus and look to the future. I want to tell you, whether it's in your walk with God, or whether it's in your family life, or in your business life, or in college, or school, or whatever you are in, focus is one of the main ingredients that you've got to have. You've got to stay looking at what you're called to do. The Apostle Paul said it this way. He said, looking unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. In other words, my focus has to be on that which is ahead of me. The book of 1 Samuel, the 17th chapter, and I'm going to begin reading out of the fourth verse, and let me just tell you this morning, I'm reading out of the Message Bible, and uh, I know that may mess with some of you, but just go with me, okay? Now, 1 Samuel chapter 17, beginning in verse number 4, a giant nearly 10 feet tall stepped out from the Philistine line into the open, Goliath from Gath. He had a bronze helmet on his head and was dressed in armor, 126 pounds of it. He wore bronze shin guards and carried a bronze sword. His spear was like a fence rail. The spear tip alone weighed over 15 pounds. His shield bearer walked ahead of him. Then he goes on to say, Goliath stood there and called out to the Israelite troops, Why bother using your whole army? Am I not Philistine enough for you? And you're all committed to Saul, aren't you? So pick your best fighter and put him against me. If he gets the upper hand and kills me, the Philistines will become your slaves. But if I get the upper hand and kill him, you'll all become our slaves and serve us. Now that sounds pretty good, really, because it means only one person has got to die. I challenge the troops of Israel this day, give me a man and let us fight it out together. One more verse. When Saul and his troops heard the Philistines' challenge, they were terrified and lost all hope. Have you ever been in that place in your life where because of the circumstances, because of what was going on around you, that you lost all hope? Maybe it was in your marriage. Maybe there was a time that you were facing a sickness. Maybe you were going through something uh, even in your walk with God. Maybe you were in a church situation where things just weren't the best. And it seemed like, listen, there's no hope. There is nothing. I'm going to give up. You know what? Really, there always is hope. Even though these men had lost all hope, the God of creation was still on their side. He had not left them. He had not forsaken them. They were just looking at things the wrong way. Now, here's what I want to talk about today. One word. I want to talk about the word perception. All right? It's about focus and what is my perception. If I look at it and I see this giant out there and this one who's going to destroy me, then I'm going to feel like my life is over. And you know what I found out about perception? Listen carefully to me. Here's, Here's the truth about perception. Perception is reality. No, let me say that again. 
perception is reality. What you think, what you see is reality. I, I remember as a child, I don't know if anybody else went through this, but as a child, in my bedroom lived monsters. Anybody? Come on, fess up at church. I mean, I, I would go to bed at night, and the first thing, before I went to bed at night, my closet door had to be closed because there's monsters in the closet. Come on, what's wrong with y'all? There's monsters in the closet, and if you don't close the door, the monsters are getting out. That, not just in the closet, monsters live under the bed too. Right? And so you, you couldn't, if your hand fell out from under the cover, Your foot slipped out. They would suck you right under that bed because the covers were magical. They protected you. And some of you are looking at me strange. You know, took me a few years. In fact, I think I was married when my wife told me that there were no monsters. <laughs> now, you know what? There might as well have been monsters because I lived like there were monsters. I acted like there were monsters. I conducted my life every night as though there were monsters. In fact, I have to tell the truth. I still don't like to go to bed with the closet door open. <laughs> it's just a phobia that I have. But you know what? Perception really is reality. And, and so it's, it's what we see, and we're going to be talking about this. As, as we look at this story today, David is there, uh, and, and Saul is there, and all these things are happening. But there's this giant that's at a nine feet tall, wearing 126 pounds of armor. I mean, this guy is massive. He's huge. And, and, and what is happening here is that Saul, who has been a great warrior, who has been the king of Israel for years, who has won many battles, all of a sudden, Saul has forgotten every victory he's ever had. Saul has forgotten everything that God has done for him, and all that Saul can see is a monster. All that Saul can see is this guy who is nine feet tall. Now, wait a minute. We need to understand that the Word of God says that Saul stood head and shoulders above all the children of Israel. In other words, if Saul is head and shoulders above all the children of Israel, he's at least seven feet tall. If anybody had ought to be ready to go out and fight this guy, it ought to be Saul. But the scripture says that all of Saul's army, all the king's horses and all the king's men, ran and hid and were without hope. Why? Because of what they were perceiving, what they were seeing. David shows up. David's dad says, hey, take your brother some, uh, you know, some sandwiches, take him some food, go down there, check on him. And David shows up, and, and David, everybody else is seeing the negative, and David can only see the positive. I, I want to help you today. I want to give you something. I want to give you four things in the start this morning. I, I want to help you to understand what it was that David perceived. And when you understand what it was David perceived and you begin to do the same thing, then you will begin to see that God can do great things in your life. Now, let me, let me say this to you. Everybody else who is out there, and we'll, we'll go to verse 23 and 24 in a minute. Everybody else who is out there, it, they're, they're seeing problems. They're seeing difficulties. They're seeing the negative. David sees something different. Let's, let's look at it. Would you, would you look at it in verse 23 and 24? Uh, I'm going to do a little bit more reading today uh, than normal, but I, I want to show you something. It says, while they were talking together, the Philistine champion, Goliath of Gath, stepped out from the front lines of the Philistines and gave his usual challenge, and David heard him. The Israelites, to a man, fell back the moment they saw the giant 
totally frightened. Everybody else is seeing problems. You know what David saw? David saw an opportunity. See, if you will see opportunities instead of seeing the problem, you will begin to see your life move forward. Listen, everybody listening to me today, everybody watching me today, all of us have difficulties. All of us have problems. There's nobody upon this earth that doesn't have some problems. In fact, Jesus said it to us this way. In this world, you shall have tribulation. That word tribulation means trouble. In this world, you are going to have trouble. But he didn't stop there. He said, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. See, what, what we've got to do is, is that every, everybody's talking about how big Goliath is. I mean, can, can you imagine everybody sitting around the campfire at night and going, man, did you see that guy today? He was so tall. I've never seen a man that big. Did you see that spear? It looked like they were carrying a tree trunk out there. I mean, they're, they're, all they can do is talk about how big and how bad and how horrible and how negative and all the stuff. And, and they're saying, man, he's so big if we go out there, you know, he'll just take us out in the moment. And, and, but David, is, there's something in David going, he's so big I can't miss. See, the bigger the problem, the bigger the opportunity. The, 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 the bigger the thing that's facing you, the greater that God is going to bring a victory out of it, and you're going to begin to see what God can do. But, but you've got to quit looking at the problem in the negative. And now, it's not, listen, don't, don't misunderstand me. It's not acting as though the problem's not there. David still knows there's a giant there. David still understands there's a guy nine feet tall out there and I'm a teenager. But David says, wait a minute, I see an opportunity, not a problem. I believe that God is for me, and if God is for me, who can be against me? And, and so he focuses. Listen, it's, it's just that matter of perception. What are you focusing on? Are you focusing on the difficulty? Are you focusing on the giant? Are you focusing on the problem in the marriage? Are you focusing on the difficulty in living for God? Or are you saying, wait a minute, if God is for me, who can be against me? That's, that's number one. The second thing about this, uh, it, it begins in verse 25. And, and let's just look at this. Verse 25 says, the talk among the troops was, have you ever seen anything like this? This man openly, defiantly challenging Israel. And then, then they start talking about what's going to happen. They said, the man who kills the giant will have it made. The king will give him a huge reward, offer his daughter as a bride, and give his entire family a free ride. And, and then verse 26, and I won't read all this again for the sake of time. Verse 26 begins to talk about, David said, what did you say? They said, well, whoever kills this guy, first of all, you're going to get to marry the king's daughter. Number two, you're going, your whole family is going to be tax exempt. The IRS cannot show up and take your money. And thirdly, you're going to get to live in the king's palace. He said, huh? They said, no, that's what the king said. See, and, and then as he is doing this, as he's talking this, his older brother shows up. And his older brother says to him, what, who do you think you are? And he makes a comment to him. He said, who did you leave those scraggly sheep with? He, he's, he's denigrating him, all right? And he says, I know your arrogance. Now, now watch this. David saw the benefits while others saw arrogance. 
See, there are times in your life where you know that God has challenged you. Maybe, maybe it's in a, a spiritual dynamic that you're moving in, or maybe it's with your family or, or in business or in college or whatever, and, and you know that, that God has challenged you to do that, and so you step out to do what it is that God's called you to do, and everybody else around you starts questioning you. Well, who do you think you are? Well, I, I can't believe. You're, you, you, you're nobody. You think you're going to do what? Come on, everybody got, we got some friends like that, don't we? I mean, everybody's got some Job's comforters in their life. People who just show up and, and all they can do is point out the negative. You say, you know what, I re- we've been researching, we've been thinking about it, and, and I think that we, we can start a business. And, and they show up and say, well, you know, how many businesses fail in the first year? And I know you, you know, you don't work very hard anyway. Right? Why? Because they see arrogance. Years ago, Will Rogers, who was a humorist back in the day, made this statement. He, he said, it ain't bragging if you've done it. See, that there, are, there are aspects here, and David knows this because David's already killed a bear. He's already killed a lion. He's taken care of his dad's sheep. He's been a, become a mighty man uh, with a sling. He's become a mighty man with a harp. He knows all of that, and his thought is, I'm not being arrogant. I just heard that if I would kill that guy... I'm going to get to marry the best-looking gal in the country. I'm going to see my father's household never have to pay taxes, and I'm going to get to live in the king's palace. That sounds like a pretty good deal. See, we've, we've got to come to that place where we see the benefit, and you can't, let me say this to you, and I'll move on. You can't worry about what everybody else thinks about you. Well, they're going to talk about me on Facebook. Well, let me help you, honey. They're going to talk about you on Facebook anyway. Every time they update whatever they update, all right, and they dislike or like or whatever, they are, th- listen, you've got to come to the place that you make a decision. I've got one person to please, and it's the Lord Jesus Christ. David said, wait a minute, this is, this is not, in fact, if you read the whole story there, David says, this is not about what everybody else thinks about me, this is about what God says about me. All right, and, and so you've got to see the benefits if you want to move forward. Other people will think it's arrogance. God knows what's in your heart. Verse 32 goes on, and, uh, and it says in verse 32, this is David and King Saul. Master said, David, don't give up hope. I'm ready to go and fight this Philistine. Saul answered, David, you can't go fight this Philistine. You're too young and inexperienced, and he's been at this fighting business since before you were born. And then David, verse 36 and 37 David begins to tell all the things that God has done through him. In other words, David says, listen, I was on the backside of nowhere. I was the only one there. There was a a bear that came out against the sheep. God gave me the power. I kill that that bear. The lion came out another time. God gave me the power, and I kill that. And and what he's saying is, is, look, I I want you to understand, I've already been down the road a little bit. Now, Now watch this. The third thing is this. He saw strength where others saw weakness. King Saul sees an inexperienced young boy who's never been to battle. David says, I may never have been to battle in the natural sense, but I've been fighting for a long time. See, it's not what everybody sees. It wasn't written up in the Jerusalem Gazette, young boy kills lion. It didn't get splashed across, uh, you know, uh, CNN news, the young boy kills lion. But he's been doing it out there where nobody knows. 
And so when he shows up, all that everybody else can see is his inexperience. But he says, wait a minute, I've got some strength. See, I want to tell you something. If you have been doing what it is that God's called you to do, whether that's in your spiritual walk with God or in natural things of your family or your finances or whatever, there are some strengths that have been built up in you. There are some things that other people don't see that God has already done in your life. And so instead of looking at the weaknesses, sure, he'd never been to battle, but he had won the war. He had never experienced what those other men out there had experienced, but he'd had his own experience. And so you've got to come to that place where you understand that where everybody else may see weaknesses in your life, you know what the strengths are in your life, and you play to your strength. Verse 38 through 40 tells this story, and again, I'll do it for the sake of time. It says, then Saul outfitted David uh, as a soldier in armor. He put all this, all this stuff on him. And David tried to walk, and he couldn't hardly move. And the scripture goes on to say, uh, he said, I can't move in this stuff. Take all this stuff off of me. And the Bible says he went down to the creek, picked up five smooth stones, and came back, and he said, I can take him with this. Now, what you've got to understand is this, is that in the process of what God is up to in your life, that a lot of people see a lot of things about you. They see your inabilities. Saul says, I've got to put this armor on you. I've, I've got to put this here because you don't have the abilities. What they see are inabilities. What you've got to see are your abilities. David said, I can't wear somebody else's armor. Let me talk about that for a minute. We've got too many people doing what the Scripture says is foolish. The Scripture says, <clears throat> pardon me, the Scripture says when you judge yourself, by yourself. In other words, when you judge yourself by those people you hang out with, you're foolish. When you look at somebody else and say, well, I, I want to, remember back in the day when Michael Jordan, when he, when he was, I mean, he was popping it. He was making it happen. And, and, and this whole thing went around. In fact, people talked about it. There were t-shirts about it. It says, I want to be like Mike. Remember that? Well, let me tell you, you're not. You're not like Mike. Quit trying to be like Mike and be you. You're never you're never going to be like Mike. There's only one Michael Jordan that's ever been created. Out of the billions of people upon the earth right now and the ones who have come before, there was only one. But just as true as that is, there's never been anybody like you before and there will never be anybody like you again. You are unique and God has placed talents. He has placed abilities in you and you need to operate from those abilities. Don't allow somebody else's armor to be placed on you. I can remember when I first started preaching. You know, I'd go, I'd go hear preachers and they'd preach and, and I'd come back and try to preach their sermons the way they preached them. I, I mean, I, I, I can remember back in the day, I even tried to preach with the huzz. You know what the huzz are? Here's the huzz. I want to tell you uh, that God's here. Uh, I mean, I am dried dad. It wore me out. I just want to go lay down. I said, I can't preach with the huzz. Then I heard T.D. Jays, get ready, get ready, get ready. I thought, man, I get, get ready, get ready, get ready. And nobody was ready. <laughs> Why? Because I'm not T.D. Jakes. I'm not Charles Stanley. I'm not Andy Stanley. I'm not any of them. I'm me. And when I try to wear somebody else's armor, 
I do a lousy job of what I'm supposed to do. God's given you abilities that are yours alone. And when you try to use somebody else's ability, you're never going to be as successful as you will be if you'll do what God has called you to do. Amen? Now, let me make it real practical over the next few minutes here. Four things I want you to begin to do so that your focus and your perception changes so that you can move into everything that God has for you. I want you to succeed in life. I want you to reach what God has called you to reach for. I want your family to be the best family that it can be. I want your business to succeed. I want you spiritually to grow in God to levels that people would think are just unbelievable, but you're just doing what God's called you to do. But how do I do that? Well, there's, there are four things that you got to get. Number one is you need to learn to leverage your strength. I've said for years, David had two things, and those two things leveraged him into becoming the king of Israel, and that was this. He learned how to swing a mean sling, and he could play a pretty good guitar. And those two things, he didn't have, you know, he didn't have the greatest education. He didn't even come from the best family. He, he, there are things about him. He, he's the runt of the litter. In fact, when they bring him before, they bring all the sons before uh, Samuel to be anointed, he's forgotten. In fact, if you read the King James Version of the Bible, it says he's forgotten twice. Now, that's bad when your daddy forgets you once. But he brings, you, brings all the boys by twice and still doesn't remember. That's, that's pretty disheartening. And yet, David knew what was in him. And, and so David leveraged what he had. He leveraged his strength. What are the things in your life that are your strength? Well, I've, I've, got, I've got a great gift of mercy, or I, 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 I love people, or I, but whatever that is that you have. You know, some of, some of you are in the, uh, in the uh, you're a physician or you're a nurse or whatever. That, that, I don't need to be one. That's not a strength for me. I, I don't do good holding people's hand and, and, and you know, all kind of things happening. I'm going to pass out. All right? I mean, I'm, I'm going to lose it. I'm not, I'm not going to do very well there. But, but if, you're, if that's what your strength is, then you need to use that to move forward. In your life, in the kingdom of God. I think a lot of us miss that. God has given us abilities. God's given us talents. And if we will learn to focus on what it is that God has given us, even as teenagers, even as young people, even as college students, if we will understand what is it that God's given me. Some of you are very successful in your business because you have leveraged the strength that God has given you. But let me talk to you. You may be successful in your business, but are you using the same gift for the kingdom? It's wonderful to leverage the strength in business, but you need to take that same anointing that you have for business and bring it into the house of God so that God can use your giftings for his glory. So that's number one, is you have to learn to leverage your strength. Number two is this, is that you have to embrace your weakness. Now that sounds counterintuitive, I know. Embrace my weakness? Well, Pastor, you know, I, I've got this horrible weakness here, and, and I need to get rid of it. No, probably not. Do, do you know what happens a lot of times in our lives? Is we focus so much time on our weakness that we never focus on our strength. 
I mean, think about it this way. Think about it in the analogy of a football team. If a football team has a real strong right side and a real weak left side, I promise you they may work on the left side during, the, during practice, but when it's game time, they're going to run every play to the right. Why? Because they know that that's the strong part and they're going with the strong part. They understand weakness over here. We're not going to worry about it. We're going this way. See, you need to embrace your weakness. Listen, there, there are aspects. Whoever you are, wh whatever your great strength is, I promise you, you've got a weakness that's that big too. It's just there. In, in, my, in my world, um, I, I am a detailed person. I can walk into a room and I can see everything wrong in the room. It's a gift. I didn't ask for it. It's just there. My staff hates it. I I walk in, there's a piece of paper 100 yards away. Every one of them have walked over. And I say, why didn't y'all pick that up? Or usually I just walk over and pick it up and don't say anything. All right? I, I can see what the chairs, you know, is it two and a half inches out of whack. It, it's all that stuff. That, that is something. But now, let me say this to you. I am horrible at administration. If I have to fix all that I see, it'll never get fixed. Because I get bored. My, my attention span's not real long. Kind of like some of you today on this sermon. <laughs> and, and so what I have to do is I have to leverage my strength and embrace my weakness. Go, okay, this is a weakness. Now what I've got to do is bring somebody along to take care of the administrative part because I'm horrible at administration. So, so you, you, you've got to be, whatever it is in your life that you're looking at, you've got to be willing to do that. Number three is you've got to assert your difference. David didn't try to be like everybody else. David never tried to be like everybody else. In fact, study his life. David said, this is who I am. I'm a shepherd boy. I got a sling. I got a staff. I got a harp. All you guys got swords and spears and all that stuff. He said, go for it. This is who I am. You've got to be willing to say, this is who I am. This is, this is what makes me me. See, we, we don't, again, let me go back to this. We don't need another 20 Michael Jordans. We, we only needed one. You say, well, Chicago sure needs them. That's a whole other problem. <laughs> All right? Th th there's this whole aspect of understanding that your difference is what God uses to bring glory to his name. See, too many of us have allowed people to determine that our difference is something negative instead of understanding that your difference is positive. Amen. Don't try to be like everybody else. Don't try to fit in. Don't try to act and dress and conduct your life and live. No, wait a minute. God made you unique. What is different about you? Assert what that is. David said, I'm a shepherd boy. This is what I've got. Let me do it. And God said, okay, I can use that. If David had gone out in the armor of Saul, he would have been killed. He had to be different. Everybody else is wearing armor. David says, no, I'm going light today. I'm coming out. Just me and a sling, we're going to take this. And the difference in his life is what produced the victory for the children of Israel. The last and final thing is this. You've got to pursue your passion. David lived life pursuing his passion. Now, sometimes it got him in trouble, and we'll talk about that in the next couple of weeks. But your passion, what is it you're passionate about? Have you ever seen somebody that the light has gone out in their eyes. Do you know what I'm talking about? 
I mean, it's like they're there, but there's nothing in there. Why? I want to tell you why. Because they've forgotten their passion. They've lost it. Their dream has died. Something happened to them. They, they, they went through a tragedy. They went uh, through a difficulty. Uh, they, I, I mean, listen, I've said this for years. Nobody ever gets saved to backslide. Why are you getting saved? Well, I want to backslide in six months. Nobody does that. But I watch people. I've been doing this over 30 years. I watch people get saved. They're excited. They're passionate. They're, they're, they're thankful for what God has done. But then, all of a sudden, they lose that passion. And they backslide. Why? Because they didn't stay focused on the prize. Remember, it's about your perception. Saul perceives it from a natural perspective. All that Saul can see is a giant. David's perception is on God. Study it. David says to Goliath, you come against me with a sword and a spear, but I come against you in the name of of the Lord God Most High. His perception wasn't what everybody else's was. In your life, if you want to do something great for God, get your eyes off of the giant. God will take care of the difficulties if you'll keep your eyes focused on Him. If you will come to that place of truly believing that greater is He that's in you than he that is in the world, if you know today that the Word of God says that no weapon that's formed against you, it doesn't mean you're not going to go through some difficulties and problems and hard times, but no weapon that's formed against you is going to prosper. When you begin to understand that, you begin to live life with a different perception. Oh, I still see the giant. You know what's interesting? And I close. What's interesting is everybody else is calling Goliath a giant. David never one time refers to him as a giant. Here's what David says, and I have to be careful, but it's in the Bible. David calls him an uncircumcised Philistine. He wasn't blessing him when he said that. That was pretty derogatory. That's all David. David says, you aren't in covenant with my God. That's what he's talking about. You don't have the covenant right I've got. I, I want to help you. You have a covenant with God Almighty. If you are a believer today, God has made a covenant with you. In fact, the New Testament says that, that Abraham was blessed in all things. But it says, but you have a greater covenant than Abraham had. If Abraham was blessed in all things, I've got a greater covenant, guess what? I'm blessed going in and I'm blessed coming out. I've got the blessings of God all over my life. Is there a big nine-foot guy out there? Probably but greater is he that's in me. I'm going to make it. I'm going to overcome because God has told me that. Amen?